Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now, I know the, the word says be instant in season and out of season. And I'm out of season. <laughs> I have a hard time just instantly throwing something together because I never know when I'm going to preach. I know I should prepare something. But a lot of times when you do that, then that isn't what God wants you to preach anyway. So I kind of try not to do that. But uh, So it's a little, you know, a little hard to do that. And then I was kind of going over my notes this morning on the way here because it's over an hour drive. And I'm sitting there, you know, trying to, to go through my notes and trying to refresh my mind about things that I want to talk about. And then the songs are on the radio, the Christian songs. And it says, oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. And you're sitting there, oh, man, oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then I believe, the song I believe, the old song, that every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. I believe. You know, and it's just hard, hard to concentrate when that stuff's going on the radio, you know? But Randy don't care that I'm trying to read my notes, so he wants to listen to the radio. So, but it's okay, because it doesn't matter. God already knows what I'm going to say, and there's good things about not being as prepared, if you will, is because I have to let God fill in all the gaps this morning. Now, the bad news for you this morning is that I have a lot of scriptures. And you know what that means. <laughs> it means I'm going to have a hard time getting through these scriptures in any length of time. But if I get, can't get through them, then I will uh, try to find a stopping place so you won't be here. So if you have a roast in the oven, it won't get burnt, hopefully. If it does, I'll come over and eat burnt roast. <laughs> so, but anyway... There are a few things in life that we can be absolutely certain of. Marriages fall apart, even though they've taken vows to love and cherish for the rest of their life. People still get divorced. Products that we purchase that we think are going to last, they don't. I'll tell you, my computer, I got bought a brand new computer uh, last year, and... I spent 950 bucks on that computer. So you'd think it would be a good computer, right? Well, that thing crashed. It was under warranty, so I call them, and they try to do all this stuff and, and trying to get it to work again, and they can't, so I have to send it in. Then they send it back, and I try to get it to work. And, of course, everything that's on the computer is gone now at this point. So you're not happy about that either. But you say, okay, she has tried to start rebuilding the computer, and it don't work again. So I send it back. And they send it back. And I start all over again. It still don't work. Of course, there are all different reasons that it doesn't work. So then I send it back. And then they send it back. And I'm doing this, and it, it don't work at all now. So then I have to, they're going to send me a new computer that has to match what I've got. And, of course, it isn't the same as what they're making now. Mine's better. <laughs> what would you say? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's free. It's free to me. I don't have to pay for it. They'll do it, but they have to build it. So I'm still without a computer. So for six weeks, I've been out of a computer. So I'm glad I have a warranty, though. 
I'd hate to have to spend 950 bucks out of my pocket for a new computer. But things that we think or that we can depend on, we can't. And it's ridiculous. You buy a new car, and you think, man, I'm not going to have any problems with this thing because it's new. Well, guess what? Sometimes we still have problems with new cars. No matter how well you take care of a vehicle, no matter how well you do your maintenance, we're still going to have problems with them. That's the reality of life because there's no 100% assurances of anything in this world. So if you're dependent upon something or someone, be prepared to be disappointed because it is not going to happen. And we're uncertain about important issues in our, in, in, in our lives. And some of those things can become, <clears throat> excuse me, I gotta get to it, <clears throat> almost unbearable. <clears throat> and we worry and we fret and we get anxious about everything. Now, I can't do anything to assure you about the things in this world. There's nothing I can tell you that's going to make you feel better or make you believe that it will. I can tell, go home and tell you your car's going to start when you go out there and get in the parking lot. But it might not. And then you're going to come in here and say, I thought you said it was going to start. You told me it would. I, didn't do, I don't deal in those kind of things. Because we live in a world where nothing is perfect and stuff happens. Life happens when we're trying to live life. And sometimes when life happens, it knocks us off our feet and we're down on the ground. And as long as we're down, we might as well pray while we're there. Because that's the only way we're going to be able to get up. And life sucks sometimes. And I know that Sheldon and I have both been struggling with a lot of things over the last couple of years, and it sucks. Life sucks sometimes. And if your life is all rosy and everything like that, and you don't have any thrown thorns on your rose bushes, I want to live in your yard. <laughs> but sooner or later, something's going to happen to those roses, <laughs> no matter what. But I can't give you assurances about the most important issues in our lives because they're spiritual. And the funny thing about getting taken care of the spiritual things in our life is that then the physical things or the other things in our life, they kind of fall in line. And that's amazing. Then it doesn't matter so much if your car breaks down because you have peace in your heart. Even though the whole world around you is falling apart, we have that assurance. And I'm glad we have those assurances. Now, Romans 8 is a great chapter in the Bible because it deals in assurances for believers. Now, if you want to go get depressed or whatever else like that, read Romans 8. It'll lift you up because it gives you a lot of assurances that we need. And we need assurances in this world because there's too much stuff happening and every day it's something else. You think you get over one news story and another one crops up. And you think, man, now the only way to solve it is don't listen to the news. That'll take care of the situation, right? <laughs> don't you wish that's all it was? If you ignore it, it'll go away. And we do that a lot in our life, especially in our spiritual life. 
I'm going to ignore this and it's going to go away. Tomorrow I'll serve God. Tomorrow I'll give my heart to God. Tomorrow, next week, next Sunday I'll go to church. Next week I'll go to Bible study. It's always that because... <laughs> but then we, can't, we don't keep those promises, do we? But see, if we've already decided in our hearts we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And everyone here this morning has already decided that. You know, when I got up this morning, I knew I was going to go to church. I didn't have to argue with myself. I knew I had to because I'm preaching. (laughs) I'm going to call in sick today. Somebody else has got to come up here. (laughs) See, we need to settle certain things in our life. But Romans 8 gives us five assurances for believers. Now, these assurances are for believers. I know sometimes the world times tries to claim some of the assurances that are in the Bible, but there's always an if before the promise. And we do the if, then we can claim the promise. If we do this, then God will do this. God has a contract with us, especially as believers. There are certain things that God has promised us. And the first assurance is that we can be certain we are truly forgiven by God. Romans 8, 1 through 4. Now, I'll, I'm going to go through the chapter, Romans 8. So if you want to look it up in your Bible, that's fine. I didn't put anything up on the screen because I didn't really have a lot of time this morning. But anyway, Romans 8, 1 to 4 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, that now is very important. When is now? Now means now. Now, if you read this tomorrow, it'll be now. If you read it 100 years from now, it's still going to be now because it's a present tense word. We are now. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that righteous requirement of the law might be, be met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Now the law could not save anyone. They couldn't. There's no one in this room and no one from the beginning of time to now that can live by the law. Try to live the Ten Commandments 24-7. It's impossible. The law was, law was written and given to us, so we need to know how, what we have to do in order to make it to heaven on our own. But see, we can't do that. There's no way in the world we can fulfill the law. That's why Jesus came. He came to fulfill the law for us. And when we became a believer, Jesus covered with his righteousness, and therefore we, re- we fulfill the requirements of law through Christ. Now that's a hallelujah moment. Amen. So I look at those Ten Commandments, and yeah, I broke a lot of them. And it isn't just once. Sometimes we break them every day. Hopefully not some of the big ones. I haven't killed anyone today, have you? (laughs) I've thought about it. (laughs) 
But God says, that's just about as bad, so I have to, you know, we have to repent of our thoughts just as much. But just thinking about it doesn't mean, you know, doesn't mean we're going to act on it. See, that's what God does to us. When he changes us, he changes our thought process. We may think about it, but we don't act because God is living through us. And the more that we live and give our life to God, the more that God can live through us and the easier it is to live life in this world. Now, Jesus didn't come to condemn us, but to save us. That's why he came. He knew we could not live the law. And he knew we needed to be saved. And he came because he loved us. Just like a parent loves their child. We'd do anything for our children, wouldn't we, if we could? We'd take their pain away if we could. And that's what God did. He came to take away the penalty of sin and the pain of living an eternity without God in hell. That's the reality of it. Now, our second assurance is that we can be certain that we are pleasing to God. Romans 8, 5 through 9 says, Those who believe, who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind by, governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. We don't live our lives like most people. We don't. Our lives are different. When I became a uh, Christian, my thought pattern changed. And because my thought pattern changed, my life changed. Now, did it happen overnight? No. We went to district uh, council or just our sectional meeting, like uh, Randy told you earlier. And we go because we like to, to see the, meet the other people in our section, the pastors and that, but mostly because we like the, the, superintendent of our, of our state, that's like the governor of our state, governor of the Assemblies of God churches in Utah, I mean, excuse me, in Arizona. And uh, his wife, I used to teach Sunday school to 55 years ago. So I like to go there just to visit with her. <laughs> now that's a long time when I was saying that makes me old, I gotta sit down here. Man, that's terrible. Of course, when you when I realize my daughter's going to be 50 years old this year, it really makes you feel old. Man, I'll tell you, getting old isn't for cowards. I'll tell you, you work your whole life just to retire so you can enjoy your life. And you think, oh, man, these golden years are great. But I found out why they call it the golden years. It takes all your gold to survive them. But one day, one day, I'm going to have a new body. Amen. And it's going to be an exciting day for me. It's going to be an exciting day for Trevi. And it's going to be exciting for anyone here that is suff continually suffers with stuff in your life. Pam, you're going to get a new body. Now, those are shouting things, you know. 
I'll tell you, this, that's great. And, and they're all going to be the perfect size. You know, some of these places you go to, they want you to lose weight and, and use their program. So you go in, if you want, they'll scan you and they'll say, this is what you, you'll look like if you use this product. And you look at that and you go, wow, I am hot. <laughs> right? Then we go home and look in the mirror and then I say, I am not. <laughs> so, Thank you, my handsome one. Thank you, my handsome one. I didn't even have to ask him for that. I know. Don't tell him that part. I took you out to dinner last night and paid for it. All right. And it cost more than 10 bucks. There you go. So... But we, aren't, we don't live in the realm of the flesh and we're not controlled by it, so we don't have to worry about those kind of things. And that's a great assurance to me. Now, I'm not perfect. You follow me around and you're going to find out I'm not perfect. You might think I'm backslid half the time. <laughs> but I don't have to worry about it because when we do things, when we let God in our life, we are pleasing to God. Because when God looks it up, us, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see me. He sees me through Jesus, and, and Jesus is perfect, so I'm perfect through him. Amen? Amen? Now, that's exciting. Our third assurance is that we will be certain we will live eternally with God. Romans 8, 10, 11. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give your life, will give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Our bodies are subject to death. If the Lord tarries, one day I'm going to die. Because this body is not designed for heaven. But if we are blessed enough to be alive when Jesus comes, I don't have to see death because Jesus will come and he will give me my glorified body. And if you're not excited about that, oh man, we need to talk. You need to read your Bible about the things that God has promised to us. And we don't need to worry about anything else because those are things that we can look forward to. <clears throat> Our fourth assurance is that we can be certain we are a child of God. Romans 8, 12 through 16. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not the flesh to live according to it. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear of fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And what, by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. If we live our lives and give our lives to God, we live by the spirit. We are children of God. And we are adopted into the family. 
When you become a Christian, you are adopted into the family. You cannot be a part of any family unless you're born into it. And when we become a believer, we are born again. We are born spiritual. When we're born, we have a dead spirit inside of us. Now, I don't know what the age of accountability is, and I'm not, that isn't my business, that's God's business. What that age is. It may be five, or it may be 25. I don't know. I can't put an age on it, and nobody else can. But whenever that is, we are accountable to God. And if we don't give our lives to him, our body's going to die physically, and our spiritual body will remain dead and will spend eternity in hell. But God doesn't want us there. God did not create hell for us, for, for human beings. He did not design it for them. He designed it for Satan and his angels. That's who he made it for. And once Satan's turned loose on this earth, he gains soldiers every day. And he uses all this stuff that's going on. And parents, you need to realize that when you send your kids to school, they are indoctrinated away from loving God and serving God. It's not so bad in this area, but other areas it is. You want to know what's the matter with this snowflake generation? Check the schools. Because they are indoctrinating them from the time they enter the kindergarten. They are indoctrinating them. And when you, as parents, it's hard for you to undoctrinate them. And I'm thankful that Trump is working to uh, create a, uh, a program where you can send your kids to any school you want to send them to. So if there's a private school around, you can go to them and use your tax money to send your kids to that school instead of a school that doesn't do a good job. I know we don't have really have that option around here too much because schools are... You know, private schools are, you know, hard to run and it costs a lot of money to start them up and so on and so forth. A lot of larger churches have schools in their church. And it costs a lot of money to get your kid in there. But if parents could use their tax money for that, we'd have more of them and more churches would start them. The church we used to go to had, a, had one. And they had 300 kids, I think, in the school. And there was a waiting list for kids to get into that school because they scored higher on the SATs if they went to that school than any other schools in the state. Now, that's a pretty good, what do you call it, uh, whatever. Yeah, there you go, recommendation for private schools. And that's something that Trump wants to work on, and I hope he gets it through, and, uh, and that'd be a good thing. So then you can, maybe then we, they'll start a private school here. And usually the religious-based ones are the ones that aren't going to feed them all that garbage that they feed them in the public school. That's the only thing I like about them. So, but until then, we have to realize they are indoctrinated from the first time you send them to school. So you have to indoctrinate them when they come home. <clears throat> Our fourth assurance, oh, that was the fourth one, I think. Right, I read that one already. Fifth assurance is that we can be certain we will receive an eternal inheritance from God. Romans 8, 18 to 25. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 
For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. And the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been growing as in pains of childbirth right up into the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who, who hopes for what they already have? But we, are, we hope for what we do not yet have. We wait for it patiently. Now creation mourns and grows because it wants to be set free too. It has been deteriorating from the time that sin entered this world. And that's why we have more things happening now than we did before. Because if you know, uh, of course women understand that if they have children, that when you're in labor, when you're pregnant, there's a period of time that the baby's growing inside you and you know, the baby kicks and moves and all different kind of things that happen during that time. But when you start getting labor pains, they may start out one every 10 minutes. But then they get closer and closer and closer together. Every two minutes, well every two minutes you better head to the hospital. For some people that you know, it's, they have them and, and no big deal. I wasn't one of those. I liked, I would like to have been one of those. But as the labor gets stronger and stronger until you deliver the baby. And that's the same thing that's happening to our world. It's groaning, it's in labor, and it wants to get, be delivered from the destruction that sin has caused this world. And one day, Jesus will set it right. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to cleanse this world with fire and purify it and then recreate it to a beautiful paradise. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And so is the earth. So if you want to know why we're having so many earthquakes or so many tornadoes now and so many all these other things that are going on, that's why the earth wants to be delivered. It wants the Lord to come. And set all this stuff right. And our spirit is groaning too because it wants its new body. It wants to be in the presence of God. I know mine is. And every time I get out of bed, it lets me know. <laughs> I'm groaning for that new body. And like I said, at least I can get out of bed. It may take me longer than it used to, but you know. Get up in the middle of the night, it's a little harder because I got a dog sleeping here and a dog sleeping here. And instead of moving the dogs, I sit there and try to crawl out of the bed without disturbing them. I know, I'm dumb. <laughs> People say, why don't you just move the dogs? <laughs> but I can't, they're my babies. <laughs> Told my grandson when he was down, we got one set of grandkids that are, that are younger than our youngest ones. And... Um, He's 13, his brother's 16, and his sister's 18. But anyway, they come down because they play soccer in the tournaments, and we have this gate at the house that goes this way and this way like a baby gate. 
because we open that door and let someone in, Coco's gone. Saying, oh, freedom! <laughs> Which scares the daylights out of me because it's a new area and there's traffic and all kinds of stuff. And my grandson was coming in and the dog almost got out. And I said, that dog gets out and something happens to him. Guess what happens? And he said, I'm next. <laughs> and I said, right, <laughs> you're next. <laughs> of course, we call them our kids and we tell them your brother's going to come down. This is, your, this is your nephew and this is your niece and this is your brother and this is your sister. People that don't have dogs, you, you, know, you don't really know what we're talking about. But those of you that do, you're fanatic about our pets, aren't we? I love, I love our dogs, and I hate it because they're getting older, and I'm hoping the Lord comes before they get too old. But anyway, <clears throat> so the earth is in bondage. Now, this next verse, we quote a lot when things happen, but we miss the verse that follows, and that's Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know that in all things, God works for good for those who are called, those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now, the world knows this verse. They say, oh, all things work together for good. Everything happens for a reason. But they forget the first part. For those who are called according to his purpose. If you're not a believer, don't you, this verse isn't for you. If you're not a believer and bad stuff happens, oh, it may work out good for you in, in some way, but there's not a guarantee that it will. But God's telling us that even though bad things happen to you and in your life, I'm going to work it and turn it around for good. Sometimes we can't see that good. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of times I get really upset over all this stuff that happens. Every time I turn around, if it isn't happening to me, it's happening to Sheldon. Now, I need to, we need to realize that God hates this church. I'm not God doesn't. The world hates this church. Yeah. False doctrine. <laughs> Call the district. My pastor preached bad doctrine this morning. <laughs> Satan hates this church. And he hates me. And he hates Pastor Sheldon. Because if you strike the shepherd, the flock scatters. There's been a lot of scattering in this church in the last 10 years. I've been here 11 years. Man, it doesn't seem like it. But there's been a lot of scattering around this congregation. If everybody that used to come to this church came, we couldn't fit them in here. If every person I baptized was still attending, we'd have double or triple what we have now. If we had all the kids that used to attend our, our kids' church, when we had 20 or 30 kids, were still here. Can you imagine 30 more people here? And then they get married, and they have kids. See, that's God's design for the rebuilding, the building of a church. 
for the church to multiply from within. But we need to get saved. And we need to reach this community. But Satan hates it. And we need to understand that. And we need to be faithful in these last days. Because God is going to come. Jesus is going to return one day. And all this stuff that has happened in our life is going to just melt away. I sit there and say, I'm going to go get up when I see Jesus. I'm going to ask him why he allowed this to happen or that to happen. But I, it won't matter when we see Jesus. Everything will just fade away into nothing. All we'll do is fall down at his feet. We'll worship him and we'll have some running the streets of glory time. And whether you're a Pentecostal or not, you will be up there. That's what I tell people. That's what I tell my Baptist friends. That's what I told our old Baptist minister friend. And I said it at his funeral. He wasn't Pentecostal. Him and I used to have a lot of fun going back and forth, giving each other verses about it. But I guarantee you, when he stepped through those gates of heaven, he became Pentecostal. (laughs) Because when the pains of this world is gone, can you imagine instantaneously you have a perfect body? Now, those would be running words, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, I'd be running. I'm going to be running. So if you see me up there and you come up and I, I'll try to run around and make one more lap and say hi, but, you know. <laughs> but that's what's going to happen because it's going to be an exciting time, and that's what keeps us going. We've got to get the focus off the problems and what the devil's doing and look at what God is trying to do in our lives and in our community. You know, we're gonna, I believe we're going to have a revival. I do. Now, it's a, it's a shame that there, we have more churches in the, uh, out of America than we do in. Because America now is a heathen nation. Raised as a Christian nation. But then we let all this indoctrination come in. And the, the ruling class, most of them, they hate God. They hate everything to do with God, and all they want to do is control us because they tell us, you don't know what's good for you. You need someone to tell you, and I do. But that isn't them, it's God. God's the one that needs to tell us what to do. God is the one that needs to be in control. When God's in control 100%, we won't need guns. We won't need any kind of control because we will be worshiping God and we won't want to do anything. When every person is healed, and even those that are born with, uh, where they can't develop like regular, I won't say normal because normal is just a setting on the dryer, but they don't uh, grow the way that most kids do. And some of them when they're 25, they actually have the mind of a five-year-old. But God's going to heal their minds one day. And they're going to be perfect. So every one of those kids that have lived a life in this world not being able to do the things that a lot of people can do, they give their lives to God and he's going to change their hearts in this life to where he can make them fruitful and be the best person that he could be in this life. Then he's going to heal them 100% the next. Hallelujah! So don't worry about that. But we get so focused on the negative things that are happening in this world that we cannot serve God. We blame God. 
And I'm guilty of that too. When all this stuff's happening, I, you know, I tell, you know, I tell God all about it. You know? And that's okay. God can take it. I need to, we need to get it out. But we don't need to get it out to the people at work. And we don't need to get it out in our family reunions. We need to get it out on our knees or walking back and forth when you're talking to God and telling him all about it and telling him why you're so mad about it and asking him why you're allowing all this stuff to happen because he can take it. But then, of course, when you're all done and you get it all out, get it all off your chest, then you can say, God, heal my heart. Heal my attitude. Help me to deal with the things in a way that's pleasing to God. When we do that, it's okay. God can take it. We hold so much stuff in our hearts, and we wonder why. Everything is, uh, you just want to explode. I yell at the TV all the time. (laughs) You know? And Randy and I yell in stereo. Because we wonder, how can these people be so stupid? They are willingly ignorant. There's a difference in being ignorant and willingly ignorant. And they're willingly ignorant because their goal is to control us. And I do not want to be controlled by them. They don't know what's best for me. Only God does. And I want them out of my life and out of my wallet. Don't you? You know, it's amazing that that God said, give your 10%. But then there's another 10% thrown in for other stuff. So, you know. So, you know, we need to pay our tithes. Now, he didn't say in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt pay thy tithes. He didn't say that. But as believers, we want to give. Believers are givers. I mean, when there's a tragedy in this world, who raises money? Believers, Christians, they are the ones that give all the money. Billy Graham died, and they just had his funeral this week. And they covered the whole thing. I got the toward the end of it because I didn't know it was on. I was upset that I didn't get it all. But it was amazing, and the, and the announcers were talking about, you know, he was Billy Graham, but how would you like to be the kid of Billy Graham? You know, and the kids, all the kids talked at the funeral, and you could see the personal side. And yet you could see, then you could see Billy Graham the evangelist, the pastor to 11 presidents. Can you imagine? I don't think Obama liked him too well, but... <laughs> But I didn't realize it, but Billy, uh, Trump met Billy Graham in 95, and he had an impact on his life. And he was at the funeral, not whether, whether you heard about what he said when his uh, body was laid in state in the rotunda. And he's the only third or fourth person that's ever, other than a president, has been laid in state. Now, that's quite a testimony about his life. And the amazing thing is they couldn't dig up any garbage on him. Isn't that amazing? They couldn't do it. You don't think they looked? You can bet they looked. And he was 99? That's a long life to live and they can't dig up any dirt on you. Oh, they probably say the evidence died, you know. 
Now that's quite a testimony. And so they covered it, and every one of those announcers talked about the main theme about the funeral was, and, and actually uh, Franklin Graham gave an altar call, not so they come forward, but so they could make a decision in their hearts. And uh, that song that, uh, what is it? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for, uh, oh, what's that song? Thank you for giving unto the Lord for whatever. And that was written by Michael, I can't think of his last name, Blanks. But anyway, he said he meant it. He wrote that song because they wanted to have an album to raise money so they could get more literature and more stuff to, to put out or whatever. And they had 11 artists put it, turn in a song. And he wrote this song for that album for Billy Graham. It was, thank you for giving to the Lord. And because sometimes we don't think our lives matter. But when we get to heaven, every one of us is going to be surprised about the people that we touched with our life, sometimes without knowing. And you say, well, no, I'm not going to have all the stuff that, that Billy Graham would have had when he walked through those gates of glory. Well, you will if you're faithful to God. <clears throat> he didn't call you to... Preach to millions and millions of people, maybe. If you did, then you need to do it. But God isn't going to grade you according to what Billy Graham did. He's going to grade you according to what he asked you to do. And when we walk through those greats of glory, streets of, streets of glory, on the streets of glory, whatever it is, and we hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It doesn't matter what you did. When you hear that good, well done, that's it. Hallelujah, that's exciting. And he gets a a crown of righteousness. And there's a crown of righteousness waiting for each one of us when we cross those gates. Now, I want that crown. We're royalty. As believers, we're royalty. We just don't have our crown yet. We're covered with his righteousness. But we get our crown there. And for the faithfulness that we, uh, toward what God has given us to do, depends on what's going to be on our crown. <clears throat> but it won't matter. When I get there, I don't care. When we get our crowns and we start worshiping God, we're going to throw our crowns at the feet of Jesus anyway. We're going to, because well, we just won't be able to help ourselves. So it doesn't matter how many people you lead to the Lord. God wants you to share the gospel, and that's all that God, Jimmy, Billy Graham did. Do you know Jesus? Now, we know John 3, 16, don't we? We know that scripture. We all quote it. Let's quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah! That's the gospel in a nutshell. If the whole Bible was gone, that verse will stand. That verse is enough. That verse is enough by itself. But see, we don't continue reading. We need to read verse 17. It says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn its people. He sent him to save us. When we're saved, we're not condemned. 
We need to quit letting the world tell us what a Christian should and shouldn't do. And then we worry about it for the next, well, some people all their lives. Worry about it. And we condemn ourselves and they say, well, if you was a Christian, you wouldn't have done that. Or if you was a Christian, you would have done this. And we listen to it. And we go home and we have no victory because we've allowed the world to, to condemn us and convict us. And that is what God did. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. And so we need to take that stuff and throw it away and turn it around and say, you know, I'm not perfect. But I am perfect through Christ and what he did for me. And use that as a focus to be able to share the gospel. We need to quit letting the world condemn us for stuff because the only one that has a right to condemn us is God. And God doesn't condemn us. When we became a a Christian, God pardoned us. He didn't parole us. That's a big difference. If you're pardoned, it's like you never sinned. Slate's wiped clean. If you're on probation, that means you're guilty of something and you have to do certain things in order not to go back to prison. So there's a big difference. And God pardoned us, so we got to let, quit letting the world put us on probation. So we need to realize that God will, loves us and he wants us to come into the kingdom. And quit letting the world dictate to us. Now I'm not going to get through the rest of this, so I'm just going to stop there. I've got, that's only page, halfway page two, just in case you're interested, and I have four. <clears throat> but... Uh, That's the emphasis, is serving God and quit allowing the world to dictate to us. That's what we need to do. But see, all these promises that you find in Romans, they're not for everybody, they're for believers. So when you're low and you're tired when you come home and the world's just beating you up real bad, start reading the Bible, reading what God says about you instead of what the world says about you. The world hates Christ, hates God, hates you, and hates everything about the Bible. They throw it out of our schools, and if we don't put a stop to it, they'll throw it out of our churches. There's already certain things we're not allowed to say. Oh, we can't say anything against the Muslims' religion because that's hate speech. No, it's not. It's truth. They want to kill us. And we got to realize that. And we got to quit letting them dictate to us. And once we do that, this world will change. Because it doesn't change from the outside in. It has to change from the inside out. And guess who's on the inside? It's us. And Jesus is in our hearts and in our lives. And he's covered with his righteousness. And he's longing to get out. Let him out. Let the love of God and the light of salvation shine through you and reach this world and this community. That's what we're called to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Praise Father, Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you for your